This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Christian perspective on the news does not necessarily reflect the opinions of Radio K Pulpit or the on-air presenter, but is the independent viewpoint of the individual contributor. Please send an email to info at kpulpit.co.za should you have any further inquiries. Christian Perspective on the News. It's a Friday, so you know exactly what I'm going to say next. This is Dr. Peter Hammond, the founder of Frontline Fellowship, the Reformation Society, Africa Christian Action, and the William Carey Bible Institute. Here he is. Good morning, Dr. Hammond. Good morning, Brad. And, well, here we are, um, eight days already of war in Ukraine. Mm. Uh, People are saying that this is the first time since the Second World War that there's been conflict and bombing or shelling of cities and so on. Of course, that's not true. People are forgetting about the Yugoslav Civil War, which was hideous in the 1990s. And uh, NATO did go and bomb Belgrade, the capital of Yugoslavia, in 1999, and um, multiple times, and seemed in the end only to help a group of jihadists. But uh, when we look at this, we've got to consider how are we as Christians to respond and what are the biblical principles? When is it right to fight? And uh, St. Augustine of Hippo, uh, who was a North African, he lived in what today would be considered Tunisia, but the great Christian theologian Augustine taught that a Christian could be a soldier and can serve both God and his country honorably. And he spelled out the Christian criteria for a just war. And this is, in fact, guided Christian principles and, and churches and councils have accepted as just war teachings for something in the region of 1,600 years. And this includes just ad bellum, the just cause to go to war, just in bellum, the just conduct during a war, and just post bellum, the just conclusion of a war. So a just war from biblical principles requires a just cause. Innocent life must be in imminent danger, and intervention must be to protect life. Only a duly constituted authority may wage war, War must be a last resort, and only after exhausting all peaceful means. There must be a reasonable probability of success to justify involvement in any war. And then there must be just conduct in a war, and that means it must be limited to military targets, not endanger civilians, nor damage the environment, nor harm animals. In fact, the scripture makes it clear in Deuteronomy that uh, soldiers must not even chop down fruit trees during a war. The benefits of the war must be proportional to the costs and risks of a war. In a just war, there must be a clear distinction between combatants and non-combatants, and any combatants who surrender or are captured are not to be mistreated in any way. Military necessity should be governed by the principle of minimum force. Every means must be taken to limit excessive and unnecessary deaths and destruction, and combatants may not use weapons or methods of warfare which are evil. A just war must be concluded with a just peace. Revenge is never to be permitted. Life and property must be respected. The rule of law must be upheld. Now, by these biblical standards, there have been many senseless, unnecessary wars in which neither side was at all concerned with righteousness and where both sides share the guilt. However, we can discern in history some necessary wars which are defensive and just, like the Battle of Tours in 732, where in France, Charles Martel the Hammer rallied the Christian soldiers of Europe on the plains of Poitiers mm. in the middle of tours and courageously stood and turned back the tide of jihad. 
uh, the Reconquista, which liberated Spain from 800 years of occupation and oppression, 1492, the Great Siege of Malta, 1565, the Battle of Lepanto, 1571, the defensive battles which protected Europe from being overwhelmed by jihadists, like the lifting of the Turkish Ottoman Turkish siege of Vienna, 1618. These are major turning points which protected Europe from becoming Arabia, and we can think of others. If all the people with a conscience refuse to fight, then it leaves the battlefields in the hands of people without a conscience. And we need people with a conscience involved in warfare. For example, just taking South African history, back in the Anglo-Zulu War, which many Christians condemned at the time mm. of the British being the aggressors, including, for example, General Charles Gordon, who was Commandant General of the Cape at that time, he said that uh, the British had drawn first blood and they were invading a sovereign territory and uh, the Zulus had the just cause, which you, know, you can imagine didn't endear General Charles Gordon to the people in the Cape for taking that position. And uh, the British officer who captured King Cashwara after the Battle of Olympi, he ordered his men to stand at attention and present arms and salute the Zulu king, giving him a royal salute as Cashwara entered into captivity, which he was certainly not commanded to do. Uh, when Keshwaya was brought to the Cape, General Charles Gordon, as Commandant General of the Cape, was ordered to throw him in irons in the dungeon in the castle, which he just didn't do. He treated General, uh, General uh, Charles Gordon, treated King Keshwaya as an honored guest in his royalty, and he had the full range of the castle, and his wives received everything they wanted to prepare the kind of food he wanted and the way he wanted, and they shared the gospel with him. And General Gordon was reprimanded for having been so partial. In fact, he organized for Keshwara to go and visit Queen Victoria in England, and later his kingdom was restored and some restitution was done. It just shows that by having people the conscience in a war, you can sometimes, well, of course, you must disobey illegal orders. I remember before I was given my rifle in the South African infantry during my call-up, we were given an instruction that uh, every order that we obey, we must be sure, is a lawful order. And any order which uh, endangers civilian lives and property and which is uh, immoral order, we must refuse to obey or we will be prosecuted along with the one who gave that illegal order. It was back in 1979. I remember one of our people saying, sir, does this mean we meant to evaluate whether an order is lawful or not? He said, yes, especially when it affects lives and property. You are morally responsible mm. and you may not take part in any kind of unlawful activity, atrocities, war crimes, you will be criminally liable along with the one who gave this order. So it's important to have Christians in conflicts who will be sure to temper uh, in these situations with the kind of compassion and mercy that is needed. Mm. Now, I believe that we were involved in just war in Rhodesia and Southeast Africa, defending peaceful nations from communist terrorist attacks, holding the line against Soviet expansionism during the heat of the Cold War, at the hot part of the Cold War. But during our Bible study and prayer meetings in the South Infantry, mm. the Lord gave me the vision of responding to the communist hate with Christian love. And out of that, through our mission, Frontline Fellowship, and in fact, we will be celebrating 40 years of cross-border missions this coming April. Uh, 1982, we did our first cross-border missions. The vision was, as we were praying to Operation Lord and all our prayer meetings, in the army, we recognized, you know, they are sending terrorists to us. We need to send missionaries to them. They're smuggling in landmines and limpet mines and grenades to sow terror in our communities. 
only smuggle Bibles and Christian books into their territories and win converts and make disciples and undermine their communist tyranny with the fulfillment of the Great Commission. And the whole vision at that time was, you know, have we sent missionaries to Cuba? Have we sent missionaries to Russia? We should. And that in bad times are good for spiritual work. And mm. there are times when simple men need to be restrained by laws and by force. Liberty does need to be defended, and freedom often comes by and through hard fighting. It's true. Blessed are the peacemakers. It takes efforts to, to make peace. But if all the Christians became pastors, would all <laughs> aggressors and atheists and communists, would they become pastors? Not likely. Mm. It's useless for sheep to pass resolutions in favor of vegetarianism while the wolf remains of a different opinion. And I Lord said, don't think I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. And blessed are the peacemakers. We need to take action. We need to do what needs to be done to defend the defenseless and to, to protect the innocent. But a more excellent way is to respond with the Great Commission. And I praise God we have friends, close friends, who are missionaries in Ukraine right now, when we asked for the plan to leave, they said, under no circumstances, no, those when the sheep need the shepherd the most. Yeah. And, uh, in fact, uh, one of our good friends, who, by the way, uh, uh, her name is uh, Shana Vasaki, she's the grandson of the uh, granddaughter of President P.W. Boda. And uh, Shana's in Ukraine. She's uh, opening a home to refugees. They've got the uh, school that they've started, the Christian school, where refugees are staying, they're caring for the people, they're giving them medical help, providing food, people are... Uh, destitute, clinging, and fear. And so, praise God, there are missionaries there who make a stand. And I know Christians on both sides. And uh, I know Christian Russians, Christians in eastern Ukraine have been bombarded by the Ukrainians for the last eight years, uh, with artillery barrages and so on in the secessionist areas where they've been trying to uh, flee from Ukraine. And so I know people on both sides and missionaries on both sides. And this is what we as Christians need to be doing. We need to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. We need to be uh, putting the oil of the Holy Spirit in these situations. We need to preach the gospel to every preacher. We need to be loving our neighbor. And that includes our Russian and Ukrainian neighbors. So we need to be praying. We need to be involved. We can all do something. Mm. And I trust the church to be mobilized to pray for peace and to pray for the Christians to be the salt and light and the love and action in these areas that they need to be. That's the voice of Dr. Peter Hammond, the founder of Frontline Fellowship of the Reformation Society in Africa Christian Action, as well as the William Carey Bible Institute. And this is the kind of Christian perspective on the news you might want to listen to again, and one you should definitely share. You'll find it as a podcast on our website. Huge thanks to you, and have a wonderful weekend, Dr. Hammond. Until next week. Thank you. God bless. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.